The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. the world your lover. Oh, that's what we're here to do, my darlings. That's what we do through my online joy school at lisamacourt.com, through my newest book, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness. And it's what we're going to do right here, right now together on the Do Joy podcast, where I bring you fascinating guests with powerful insights for elevating your personal vibration. Deep lasting happiness is a skill you can learn, and I'm so honored to be on this journey with you. Welcome back to Do Joy, my listener loves. I know y'all are loving that music we just heard, our new theme song around here. And today is the day you'll get to meet Mary View, the wildly talented singer, songwriter, musician who is suggesting that you make the world your lover. We're going to explore so much wonderfulness with her. I will quick remind you first that the new book, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness is available for pre-order now. And when you forward your purchase confirmation email to admin at lisamccourt.com, my team is going to set you up with a coupon code that will invite you as my free guest to that workshop that I've been offering the first Monday of every month with my remarkable intuitive friend, Victoria Shaw. She's going to give you readings and her readings are crazy, crazy good and cool. And I'm going to give you personalized joy practices for elevating your vibration. These workshops are highly interactive. They're all about you. So pre-order the book and I can't wait to see you the first Monday of the month. Now let me tell you about Mary. Mary Bu is a songwriter, not a yogi, traveler, runner, vegan, retreat guide, music and yoga teacher based out of Minneapolis, often roaming this beautiful world. She was named Best Songwriter of 2020 by City Pages. Her music touches upon archetypal themes of the human condition, love, loss, triumph, dreams, and the natural world. A longtime student of yoga and psychology, Mary weaves sacred subject matter into her songs, the seeking of deeper levels of consciousness, deep concern for the environment, mixed into her sometimes crass real-world hue. Her latest album, The World Is Your Lover, was released in 2020 and garnered rave reviews from around the globe. Mary, I've been looking forward to playing with you here, darling. I'm so happy to be with you. It's so good to see you. Thank you. We love the song. We love the song so much. It's only been in a few episodes so far, but I've heard nothing but positive rave excitement over this beautiful song. 
I think I shared with you and many of the listeners know that being in love with the world has been a long, long running theme in my joy school. One of the signature meditation visualization practices that I wrote about in my Hay House book like 11 years ago involved wrapping yourself around the world like a koala and just pouring love from your heart into the world and then practicing opening your heart to receive love from the world, which is the harder piece for a lot of us, right? So when I heard your song, I just knew it's meant to be. Plus, it's just so good. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love that koala visual. And yeah, my album cover, I actually have two album covers for that. But one of them is like me sitting cross-legged hugging a globe. So <laughs> it's oh, perfect. <laughs> I love it. I hadn't even seen that. Oh, I love yeah. it. That's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a, a challenge for a lot of us, right? To open our hearts to making the world our lover. We have a lot of obstructions, most of us, I find, to, oh, to yeah. doing that, having that be comfortable. Definitely. There are many challenges, suffering, obstacles. Yeah, it's a... Uh, and um, lover, you know, we can say lover and that doesn't mean it's going to always be sunshine and rainbows all the time. So, but we can still learn and, and evolve and grow and open our hearts and grow our hearts. And yeah, that's kind of what that means for me. <laughs> Lover isn't always, you know, sheer bliss, but in some ways the bliss is the learning, right? Yeah. That's a great distinction, right? It's not about just like, letting that, that that sweet, tender, joyful love flow back and forth. When we have a lover, especially what, what the gurus say, a soulmate lover is, is there to hold up that mirror and really show us and evolve us and teach us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the search is not easy for some of us. <laughs> and I write a lot about that in my music. So <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of heartbreak in there. But but it is like, and actually, it's funny you say the mirror, because I was just practicing a song. I have a show on Saturday in Minneapolis. And um, one of the lines is, um, heart like a museum, dusty portraits on the walls, hallways full of mirrors, each vision turns away and falls. Oh. And I was just thinking about that mirror line and how, you know, when things don't work out, it always is coming back to the mirror and like the love, um, turning the mirror on yourself and becoming the vessel for love, like preparing always for to be that love. And that's what I'm working really hard on right now. That's mm -hmm. what I love so much in your music is it is so informed with, I know you've, you've studied yoga. I'm assuming you've done a lot of, of personal growth exploration and, and study. And it's really a, a celebration and an honoring of that kind of work because it's not easy work. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And I know you've had plenty of challenges and those challenges have also informed and, and fueled your music. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering yes. when you, um, did you find music to be a, a, a solace and a, a mirror and a growth vehicle for you early on? I feel like a lot of us, whatever was our salvation, that's what we want to go and, and pass on to the world. So is that something that, that you encountered? That is so beautiful. Yes. Um, Whatever is our salvation is what we want to pass on to the world. I love that. Um, I, yeah, music 
has been with me my whole life. I, um, I was just talking about this yesterday of, um, the first like sacred music, I guess I grew up in a Methodist church. My mom was the pianist and organist and choir director and things like that, or music director. And, um, so just being surrounded by the hymns, um, in, you know, temples or churches, they have, you know, the very, the high ceilings where the sound can reverberate and that sort of like that energy came into my body very early on. Um, and it's hymns aren't always happy either, you know, so there's that like the solemnness and sort of sometimes melancholy and somber, but like beautiful. And I think that has flavored that started flavoring my music really early. And then just in my youth, I would I was constantly headphones on with the cassette tape, reading the lyrics and writing them down if there weren't lyrics and just always, always immersed in music, listening thousands of CDs. Um, and now they're just in, you know, Tupperware containers in the basement because <laughs> it's a different world now. Um, but yeah, music has definitely been my salvation and solace for sure. And then starting to write it um, was helpful, <laughs> is helpful, cathartic, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I yeah. can imagine. I can imagine that is super cathartic when you have that that vehicle sort of like implanted in your soul. I love the, the church story. I didn't know about that. But that's, mm-hmm. that's really, I, I can see how you associate music with those kinds of little, I, I call them micro awakenings. Like we all have these different like sort of, points where our, our energy shifts and even if it's so subtle that it's not conscious we were talking about this on the prior podcast how some of us have those moments of awakening those pivotal like oh it all turned around the day that I hit rock bottom here or that I yeah. went to that amazing guru on the mountaintop you know people have yeah. these like moments but for a lot of us myself included it's it's a series of micro awakenings and whatever you kind of uh what the energy that that created that for you or or helped that along for you is going to be where you put most of your attention i would think when you want more of that definitely my what did you say micro awakenings i love that yeah 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 i think i had a I would say when you said guru, I was like, wow, I guess my guru is like, it was butterflies. Like my first, it was kind of a a larger awakening, but, um, I had an experience and I named my first album after it called where the monarch circled. And I had, uh, I was super depressed when I was 16 and I had a car accident and I had this like guilt for surviving, even though like I didn't hit anyone or I was like, why? so many people have died from these car accidents. It's very similar to this. And I, nothing happened to me. It was like, I had a shroud of protection over me and, but I got like super depressed about it and went walking in the forest and I stumbled upon a migration of monarch butterflies. They travel through Minnesota to go to Mexico and it's one of the migration pathways, but I'd never seen so many cluster of it's a kaleidoscope of butterflies. <laughs> um, did you know that that uh, no. plus, uh, like a like a herd or a um, flock for butterflies? It's called a kaleidoscope. Oh, that's so poetic! I love Isn't that. that. Beautiful, because like when you see thousands of butter, I didn't see thousands, but when you see so many, it looks like a kaleidoscope, you know. Um, but I saw I saw that, and it was uh, 
I think that was definitely, definitely a micro awakening or a macro. (laughs) Wow. So there was just like a shift in your energy that felt somewhat sustained after that. That, That's what I think is those times we can point to where it doesn't mean like everything's night and day and I never have a problem again because I had that awakening, but there's like a sustained shift in, in your energy after that. Absolutely. Yeah. It was like a miracle. It was like a reminder, um, that there's so much beauty in the world that you can stumble upon without, you know, expecting it. It's all of a sudden there and helpful, very helpful. Yeah. That's so beautiful. <laughs> so you wrote a song about it and you said the album was named after yeah. that moment. Yeah, my first album, it's I, uh, it's so raw. You know, I wrote most of the songs when I was like 16, 17. Um, and it's very, it's like 70 minutes long and like 15 songs and they're all like, over five minutes long and like very it's very like stream of consciousness and ethereal and and piano and so if if anyone out there is into that (laughs) uh, it's out there but but it's very raw very raw um but um yeah the it had a lot of spiritual overtones and it a lot of it speaks to that place of of the turning the turning point and I'm clearly no no expert in the music industry whatsoever, but to me, rawness is just so, so critical and beautiful in art and, and something. I mean, that's where, at that age, it's where we're all so emotive and so raw and tuned into our emotions that I would imagine that art that comes from that that stage would just be infused with such an energy that the listener couldn't help but be affected by that energy. And that, that to me sounds like a beautiful thing. I know, you know, prettying it up and everything as you become a more accomplished musician, there's probably something said for that too, but. Right. Yeah. A lot of early fans have said that that is one of their favorites and it surprised me like some of the, like I had a, in high school, this really big football jock who like loved it and it, but it's like very lullaby-ish, you know? And it just like was so surprising to hear like the people that it resonated with, and then um, it got reviewed by a pretty famous musician in Duluth, um, Alan Sparhawk from the band Low. Maybe you've there. I think they have an article coming out in the New Yorker soon, but you'll hear of them if you haven't heard of them already. But um, he said, um, "If intimacy intrigues you and makes you into a skittish peeping tom." <laughs> then go watch Mary View's next live show or something like that. And it be, that's the kind of, it's like very, very intimate and raw. So, yeah. I pulled that quote because I was looking at your website you before we talked. I loved that. I pulled a couple of the quotes that people said about your work because oh, they were you so did. moving. Yeah. No, I love that. If intimacy <laughs> makes you a skittish peeping Tom. Yeah. But but that's like art gives us permission, right? I can see this yeah. jock who probably had to pull his shit together all the time and, and project <laughs> this like image all the time. And and to be able to, to relate, to hear someone being vulnerable in that sense, I think is so, so permission granting. I love that. Art gives us permission. That is beautiful. Yeah. It does. We need it. <laughs> 
I, um, I have a, a president of my PFLAG chapter down here, which is an LGBTQ support organization, and I work with a lot of transgender youth, and they'll, you know, they have playlists and, and the songs that they just have to, I mean, it's like part of their mental health to go there, and the parents will say, the music is so depressing, I don't want them listening to this depressing music, you know, they want them to listen to something happy, and like, of course they're going to be sad because they listen to this depressing music, and they don't understand that it's it's just because it's meeting them there. It's they're they're living in an existence where they're not being met and seen and validated anywhere else. And here's some some singer, some songwriter, some beautiful person reaching out a hand to them and saying, "I see you. I feel you. I'm giving you permission to feel these feelings." It's so yeah. valuable. Yes. Oh, that is. Yeah. Yeah. The sad songs. I'm a definite sad song lover and the again that catharsis and just being able to feel held and seen and it's so important mm-hmm. for sure Definitely. yeah very but yeah supportive and um holding space for the changes yeah yeah, yeah. one of the other quotes that i pulled because i did just love hearing what people said about you there's a curious power in the ability to view one's life with an undaunted eye. It's not about being fearless, although that doesn't hurt. It's about the ferocity of spirit required to accept the world as it is and move forward from there. Mary Buson's crackle with this power. Mm. <laughs> See, you, you've been around the block, Cookie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I And I've been putting it out there um for let's see my first album came out in 2000 so I started performing in when I was 17 or the original songs so just turned 42 42 (laughs) over half my life been doing it um yeah so it's been an interesting life to say the least yeah and I get that you say it's been cathartic for you do you have a lot of your listeners, followers share with you how cathartic it's been for them as well? I do. I do. Um, that I'm, again, surprised. I, I, you know, I, I struggled with, uh, I'm such an advocate for people creating art and making art and putting it out there. And, and, but then I too struggle with like, is it, it what is it valuable? It's the, but I, it's this, uh, it's a strange twist <laughs> and, um, feels almost hypocritical to like have, it's the inner critic. It's at 100% the inner critic. And, um, so I, I hear people saying they resonate with it and, and yet I still, um, feel re- relatively obscure. <laughs> I am, I mean, I am relatively obscure, you know, but I kind of, I kind of like that. And also Actually, this is a good segue. The uh, some of the reason why I got into studying yoga and the depth of yoga and philosophy of yoga is um, to work with the ego and work with the the struggle of the external validation and how um, exhausting it is and depleting it is and how. Um, illusory illusory uh, it is uh and just what is the true self you know and why 
so that's the thing about putting art into the world too. Like, why do I have to do this? If I, you know, myself is like its own sovereign entity, you know, then if I'm putting anything out in the world, it is in some ways like for some sort of, well, it's resonating. It's, it's connecting. It's, I, I'm answering my own question, but. <laughs> you're, you're fighting with the part of you that wants the external validation instead of just recognizing the part of you that just wants to give from your soul because you've learned these things and you've, you've had it change your life in powerful ways that you want to bestow upon others in your own beautiful, yes. unique way. But yes. Yeah. All creators, all valid authentic good creators have imposter syndrome that is just the the way if you don't you're not <laughs> a valid authentic creator right <laughs> right Woo. you and yeah. i met at a writer's conference where i had gone to help my beautiful soul brother jacob nordby with his writer's conference that he was uh putting on and you were exploring expressing yourself through that avenue have you done yes. any more with, i mean you're writing songwriting is writing but i don't know yes. if you were like looking into other other ways to express yourself through the written word yes i i am i've had this sort of spiritual travel creative memoir cooking um for years <laughs> for years and i have an outline i have the chapters and um it's just sort of standstillish at the moment although um i know it'll come i know it'll come yeah i it's been quite a time you know since since i met you and the last few years in the world you know um, and I'm actually, I actually just applied to graduate school. So I had to force myself to write uh, a 10 page, not force myself, but write a 10 page paper for admissions. And um, I got an inter I have an interview coming up so that it passed. <laughs> but um, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the program is very writing heavy. It's mostly a lot of writing. Um, it's a psychology program so I mean, that's what you're going to study okay yes. psychology yeah. yes so we'll see if i get in but um we will hold you in that vision listeners we're holding mary in the vision of the beautiful unfolding of her admissions process thank and, you and, and that's for i mean i don't know how to ask this is it like a particular flavor of psychology you're interested in or you just want to be a therapist kind of thing it is um a PhD in depth psychology and specialization in Jungian and archetypes. Beautiful. So, yeah. So very follow your bliss heavy yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, very, when I was studying as I am always, um, yoga philosophy, one of my teachers, Tracy Weber always said that the yoga sutras are very much like depth psychology and that really stuck with me the studying of consciousness um the ego persona you know and all that is very um in alignment with the depth psychology this program and it looks a lot at um artists too and the artistic creative process and dreams and all of the stuff i've been obsessed with since probably about age 14 so <laughs> That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I was initially a psych major, and at the time, it just wasn't 
what I thought it was going to be. It was like I, I, I wanted it to be similar to what you're describing, and I just had all this like passion and interest in all of these areas that I thought were going to fall under that umbrella, and I, I had to switch majors. But my, my psych uh, professor, um, the head of the department where I went to the small liberal arts school, let me make an independent study around the overlap of ancient spiritual uh, traditions and thought and modern metaphysics. So it was like perfect. It was like, this is what I wanted, but it couldn't be a major. It was just an independent study program. So I had to major in English. But, um, but, but that is cool. I, I think that's why I wanted to know. Like, I didn't think that you would just be like, yes, I've decided to be a therapist now. Like, I know I right. it had to be something, <laughs> something a little more, um, a little more meaty, a little more our wheelhouse. Yeah, I um, teach yoga and I teach creativity and dream stuff and I guide these retreats and so this would be very, um, like their creativity and yoga retreats and also goddess uh, sadhana, goddess groups. So this looks at mythology and legend and stories all over the world and cultures and symbols and of course like diving into archetypes and energy and shakti so um and i was most prolific when i was in in college even though i wanted to drop out of college to do music (laughs) it's always a little bit of conflict but um but i i was definitely most prolific and because there are so many ideas coming in and then I could sort of transmute that into song and I feel that that could that could be coming. It is coming. Some more signs are coming lately, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really appreciating the dovetailing of your various passions. I can see that you are, you know, very passionate in some different areas that you've managed to have them all. Tell us about your retreats and your your travel lust. How is this like playing into everything? Well, um I started travel, the big travels, the big wanderlust. Uh, when I was 16, I was a German exchange student. And that, like, I grew up in a very small town in central Minnesota. And so going to Europe as a 16-year-old blew my mind. And it just sparked this fire in me to travel widely and broadly and as often as possible. Um, so that's what I've been doing. And when I became a um, a musician, I would book my own tours all over the country. So I played in almost every state, um, solo or or with a friend, and and so I would have I would book shows. I'd travel. I'd drive myself. I'd organize everything, and then I had an opportunity to open a yoga studio in Minneapolis. So I moved to Minneapolis. I was living on and off in Duluth, and I've lived in Seattle and Rhode Island and a few other places too, but um, moved from Duluth to Minneapolis to open a yoga studio, ran that for three years, but then decided like it just wasn't, it was a very small studio and I wanted to travel and um, I didn't want to be there all the time. I'm like locked down in a brick and mortar. Um, And so that's when I started attempting retreats. And first one was a weekend and the second one, this is a pretty new endeavor. Uh, first one was 2019. And then the second one was March 2020 in Bali. Oh my gosh. Well, March, <laughs> you like just squeaked it in there then maybe, right? Wasn't that like yeah, the right when? <laughs> it was March 6th through 13th. And half of the group canceled, of course, completely understandably. But then 
the other half came and we had an amazing time and then everyone left got home safe nobody got sick um and i had to leave early because they had a level four travel advisory so i had to get out and come back otherwise i might have been there longer which would have been amazing but also (laughs) right um so and then then we all know what happened but late later in 2021 they started picking up again and so now i've led bali twice tuscany um malta i just came back from malta three days ago (laughs) and um and i have norway and ireland i'm going to ireland next week um norway next summer bali again yeah just gonna kind of like circle around these amazing places so i'm very uh in awe of of it and uh also like it's a lot of work it's feel it's like planning a wedding every time like the catering transportation lodging you know all of the coordinating everyone making sure they're safe and especially over the last few years there were so many um different regulations and safety precautions of course so um so it's been an interesting time <laughs> but the retreats are their creativity and yoga so we we look at how the land can inspire creativity so and how just travel can shake us out of our perspective and then i always say that every group that has gathered is a unique constellation that'll never be the same ever again in all time you know so it's like just i love that that idea of like we're all stars and what is the constellation that we create every group has such a different energy and so we do yoga and meditation and writing practice and I serenade everybody and um, I have a few co-hosts. Uh, one is a dear artist and professor, um, Sarah Brocky, and we're doing Ireland. And then my, one of my teachers, master yoga teachers, Tara Sherman, um, we did a bunch of three in Malta and we study the ancient um, earth, ancient mother goddesses in Malta. So in Malta, maybe you know, there are these Neolithic temples that are um, these, these, they're older than Stonehenge and older than the pyramids. And the only place older that's been discovered um, in this plane of existence anyway, is the Gobekli Tepe in Turkey. I might be mispronouncing that, but these temples are, um, they're, they show evidence of a, theocratic society that worshipped feminine divine so there are like tons of you've probably seen these gorgeous like statuettes or giant statues of these very earthy feminine bodies some of them don't have heads but it's just like the body like with really ample breasts and like big beautiful thighs and and there's one that was found in malta in this temple tomb uh called the sleeping lady and it's this beautiful woman resting on her side on this gorgeous bed and it was found like thrown into um the tomb there's a subterranean tomb that um also has an oracle hole where an oracle would and this is the coolest for me as a musician is like there's a hole where this oracle would speak into and it would reverberate throughout this subterranean chamber and um that's like neolithic sound technology like they're like five thousand years ago working with this space and the acoustics 
to like make sure everyone in the in the three level temple tomb can hear. Oh, <laughs> it's wow. So yeah. Anyway, the the retreats kind of they they grow out of you know what is happening in the place that we go and and looking at all of the creativity there and energy there and honoring the land and the people that came before and it's a blast. <laughs> That's amazing. Were you able to record something in the Oracle Hole? Oh, I wish. <laughs> it's um, it's a, I, it's called the the hell the hell selflini hypogeum so there are a few hypogeas around the world um but it's a unesco world heritage site so and it's very temperature controlled so you only only allow 10 people to go down in there um, at a time and you have to wear headphones or you have like this little like walkie-talkie thing that you hear the tour through kind of like stonehenge if you've ever done that um but uh there are artists that have there's an artist, um, Jennifer Berezin, who I'm perhaps saying your name wrong, but she recorded a song in the Hypogeum and a few Maltese artists, and they've studied the sound and the acoustics in there. Wow. <laughs> so, cool. so I love that your retreats are about yoga and creativity. That's, you know, beautiful synchronicity there between those two ideas, and, and that by taking people out of the box that we live in and possibly putting them where they don't speak the language. And it really does put you in touch with the, the language of symbolism, which is the language of the soul, right? Our, our soul talks to us in symbols, source talks to us in symbols. And it sounds like you've, you've really hit upon a multi-pronged approach for facilitating that in people who want to be creators. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. What, what is Nada yoga? I love yoga. I've done yoga forever. I'm not familiar with what that, that term means. Yes, it's a stream of yoga that it, it's the yoga of sound. Okay. So it means, um, Nada means stream or flow. So transformation through the flow of sound. <clears throat> Union with through the flow of sound. So um, when I first learned about it, I was like that speaks to my heart um because sound and music has been transformative for me and then studying that um the one of the so mantra is part of that and as well as um not as kind of like the sound of everything it's kind of as the umbrella um and there might be not a yoga scholars out there listening to this, so <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. But, <laughs> Maybe um, not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, if you're out there, let's talk. I would love to. Uh, and so also like nature sounds, like the the sounds all around us, the wind through the forest, <sighs> the rippling of water in the stream, uh, waves crashing, um, you know, that bird song. Yeah. So, um, but then there's one uh, tenant or philosophy, one piece where they say that um, each person has our own unique sound vibration, but that everything has a sound vibration, obviously. Um, and part of the goals or not goals, maybe, um, I don't feel like goal, a goal 
fits with yoga, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> that just feels too like capitalist or something like that, or like overachiever. Um, but one of the things that can happen maybe uh, with practice and uh, consistency and devotion and surrender um, is aligning with your own personal sound and being able to, to hear it. And so they distinguish between two sounds or two forms of sound. One is ahat, A-H-A-T, which means um, when that's most of the sound that we hear because something is struck. So that is like a struck sound. So my vocal cords are rubbing together. That is ahat. Some of my cords are striking. Um, I'm clapping my clapping my hands. So that's something being struck together. Any instrument, you're putting pressure on it and striking it. But then the other, the internal sound is called the anahat. And if you study the chakras, the heart chakra is the anahata chakra. And the anahata, the anahat sound is the unstruck sound. And that's the sound that resides in the cave of the heart. And, and is it audible? Because I would think it has to come sort of through our, our vocal cords, which would make it a, a struck sound, but it's, it's, it comes out of your, your body? Like through yeah, your it's like, it is your, it is like, I wish that I knew because I went to study it and find it, but I still can't explain. What I can tell you that I felt is with chanting mantra, um, very i've been consistent now every day give or take except you know when i'm traveling or sometimes um every day i do 10 to 15 minute mantra chanting with my morning practice and what started to happen was i'd feel like a glowing in my heart like a warm glow kind of like warm honey and it would just like spread like kind of radiate and it just it was blissful and um it felt like things were being like uncovered in my heart center um so it's not exactly a sound but that is what has like driven me to like to go to india and go to this nada yoga school in rishikesh and study with the yogis there for a month but you would need lifetimes i think <laughs> i don't know if i'll hear my heart sound in this lifetime but <laughs> I am so enchanted with that. I love that. I, I love the feeling of, of singing. I think I told you I sing in the Agape Global Choir, and we just had a live retreat here with my joy schoolers, and we did some chanting and kirtan. Um, and, yes. And I just it, I I feel the energy moving so much when whenever we we use those those ancient tools to to move the energy that way. And even humming, I learned recently, you know, Deva Premal says that humming activates all of your chakras and, and energizes them. And so I love this idea about each of us having our unique sound. And I'm also chuckling a little bit because we do breath work sometimes with my joy school. And I do it with uh, Scott Stabile. He has an online program for it. And every time I do breath work, after the breath really starts kicking in, the sound comes out of me. It is not a pretty sound, Mary, but when you said that we each have our own like unique sound, I'm like, oh God, I hope that's not mine. It sounds like something's dying. Like it is this this primal, <laughs> guttural, you know, like I feel like when I, I sing or chant, I can make it sound all pretty and beautiful, but there's some weird noise that comes out of me when I do breath work. That's like That's amazing. <laughs> like, oh no, that's probably my my core sound. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. I, I, I think it's not a struck sound. 
Because that sounds like that's a struck sound. It's got to be, right? If it's yeah. like noisy and yeah. guttural and yeah. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> it's more of an internal. I can't, I'm not sure, but I feel like it's a more of an internal thing that only we can hear and maybe other like super attuned people can hear. But I don't think it's like, or whatever you I'm not sure what you're doing, but will you demonstrate? <laughs> Nope, I can't do it without the <laughs> breath work. But I think it's a release. I think it's just that yeah. energy release. Yes. Like whatever needs to be released just comes out in the form of sound in, in those cases. And that is right? beautiful. That is excellent. <laughs> like the primal scream therapy, right? That's, yes. that's like they did in the 70s. John Lennon and Yoko Ono did the primal scream. Amazing. <laughs> I guess anything that moves stuck energy, moves, yes. it, moves it up and out of you is a good thing. Yes, and like the vibrating, the vibrating of the of the cells, and one hundred percent. I think it, I kind of sometimes I think of humming as like scrubbing bubbles. That's like the weirdest like analogy, or like champagne or bubble water soda. You know, just like it's bubbling, it's cleansing, it's uh, shaking, and and um, inviting the different flow of prana, life force energy, right? So. I love scrubbing bubbles. I think that's a perfect, perfect metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Just like for humming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool that you do that with your people. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think too of um, mantra when we can connect with the intention and keep our awareness very present on. On it like an honoring all from whence it came and like the thousands of years of wisdom and all of the teachers and the land and the all the ancient wisdom um when we can align ourselves with that and chant it in the way it was intended we're like tapping into that ancient energy of all of the people over thousands and thousands of years that have also chanted that ancient those words, those syllables and sounds, which is so potent <laughs> to consider, right? I am so happy you spoke to that. I never hear anybody talk about that, but I, um, I'm an initiate in the modern mystery school, and oh my that, god, cool! That's what they they say about. I mean, we we do rituals that are Latin and and hand movements and like really old 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 stuff, and that's right. how they explained it. Is that when thousands and thousands of probably millions of people over thousands of years have invested this particular uttering and corresponding motions you know with their energy naturally there's going to be all that additional power and energy in it yes i've never heard anybody else say that that that's uh that's really cool especially being in the place where they do it like you're saying going going to these sites where there is such an ancient tradition Yes. Phenomenal. Yeah. What the vision that just came to me is um like a giant amphitheater or like even like a stadium. You know, when you I don't go to sports, you know, I tried that, but it's not for <laughs> me. But um but just you know when you hear the roar yeah. all around you, like that's like this vision that just came of like the roar or like when you're at a rock concert in like a, a stadium or whatever and just all of those people singing all along um but then 
instead of like all of the people around you in that moment, it's like all of the people back, 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 and all of the people forward, forward, forward that are going to do it. You know, it's like this um, timelessness in being in that sound. And I think like when we can tap into that sound vibration, um, it's like, it is like a key in the lock. I always say key in the lock of ancient wisdom, like the door. It's like you're entering the door of that, that specific vibration that and that palpable energy and symbolism and woof, it's so cool <laughs> that is really cool so yeah. tell us about your retreats do you have anything coming up or what's tell us all the ways that people can follow up with you and find out more about your wonderfulness Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I have, uh, well, I have my website. Everything is there, marybew.com. Um, I have a retreat. I'm leaving next week for Ireland, if anyone last minute wants to come. But um, Western Ireland, it's uh, sacred grounding and creative exploration. And then um, coming up in the, in the fall, going out to Orcas Island, Washington, um, to this really cool place called Doe Bay Resort. And they've got yurts and camping and hot tubs, and we're going to whale watch, and we're going to go hike and eat amazing vegan food. (laughs) Um, And then in February, back to Bali, and I'll actually be... I'll be doing a retreat on called Celebrating Shakti with my teacher, Tara, Sherman and um so we'll be doing we'll be dancing we'll be um going to the monkey forest we'll be going to a a number of different temples sea temples and um Bali is just such a place of spirit and absolute beauty um and then we're going to do a teacher a 30-hour teacher training add-on with the nada yoga and um yoga nidra which is the sleep of the yogi and she teaches that so and then back to malta next may and then to norway in june and norway is my heritage um i'm 70 percent norwegian if you can't tell (laughs) um and uh the rest swedish and english but um so i'm extremely excited to reconnect with that land of my ancestors it'll be a two location retreat one is that we start in the mountains and then we go to the fjords so it's called Mountain and Fjord, um, creative and yoga, creativity and yoga in Norway. And the the place in the fjords is only an hour from my ancestral land of Bu, B-U with a line over the U. You're yeah, kidding. so I'm so excited to be in that land where the people came from. So, yeah. So that's what's coming out in the next year. I'm working on a new record, too, um, Slowly But Surely. So I've got two songs recorded and recording a few more. Um, and then maybe the grad school, we'll see. You're busy. You are busy. Yeah. <laughs> and you have so many of their retreats already on the calendar. I'm like sitting here making my little bucket list. I'm like, oh, I want to go yeah. there with Mary. I want to go that one with Mary. <laughs> oh, yay. Yes. Yeah, they'll, we'll keep cycling around. And I love it. It's such an honor and a joy to with those constellations (laughs) yes and it's always divinely guided every time I do a group it's always just the right people there's there's no accidents we're not doing that because we're so smart and wise the universe does that it just puts together the people that need to be together all the time so I get what you mean by those constellations absolutely 
It's amazing. Beautiful. Now, I don't mean to put you on the spot because I'm realizing I did not give you a heads up about this, but every episode I give my listeners something to take into their their next few weeks until the next episode, some sort of practice or something to hold in their hearts. I'm wondering if there's any kind of like a, a vocal exercise or something or anything that you teach in your, your trainings that just has a little little nugget for the listeners to go do. Well, my favorite breath practice, and maybe you do this, um, it incorporates humming. Oh, It's called bremery, and it's a bee breath. It's a humming bee breath. So um, the visual I'd like to give with that is standing in this ancient temple to, there's a goddess in Malta called Sunsuna, and I might be mispronouncing her name, but um, she was a giantess. This temple is called Gigantia, and it's the temple of the giant giantess. And it said that she built this temple single-handedly with a baby under her arm. <laughs> and um, these giant rocks, they're like 50 tons. And uh, she ate only honey and broad beans. <laughs> That's like the myth. <laughs> anyway, I'm standing in her temple, and there's this lobed um, kind of altar space. And the ground is covered in clover, and so many bees are buzzing. And it's this, like, just like that hum of the bees buzzing in the clover and the flowers in this ancient temple of a fertility goddess. Um, So that is the visual I'd like to offer. But then the breath, um, there's um, in the yoga, eight limbs of yoga, the fifth limb is about withdrawing the senses called pratyahara so with this breath you withdraw your senses which might or might not be comfortable for some people so i'll just um, walk people through it and they can try it on their own so you you can option one is to just plug your ears or like lightly plug them with both fingers like you're pointing at your ear like that little nub (laughs) i don't know if it's Mm -hmm. a technical term or you can make a little helmet with your thumbs covering the ear, ear nub and then just rest your fingers on your head. Or you can lower your fingers to also cl- cover your eyes. So you're, you're, co- you're closing off your sight and your, your, your hearing, and then you hum. And so you're in, inhaling really deeply and lengthening your spine, and then exhaling. And just trying to let that sound be as smooth and long as possible. And I would do like a lower sound because it's more grounding. Um, they say masters would do really high sounds because they're looking for like ascension. But we, I think on this plane right now, most of us need to ground more. <laughs> um, so closing off ears, eyes, humming, and maybe doing it 12 times. Oh, that's a beautiful practice. It's Deep it- breath. The humming bee breath. breath. Humming bee breath. And it it grounds you and and just kind of maybe just shuts out a lot of what those busy overactive minds are focused on so that that just sort of makes creates that spaciousness, I would imagine. Yes. Yes, and what you were saying about humming, um, you're immediately with humming and singing, you're lengthening your exhale, right? Because you have to get the sound out. And lengthening the exhale has a really calming property, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's helpful too, because like I find I find myself sighing, and that's you know we just 
always needed to exhale more. Um, so the humming helps with that too. That's soothing the, the nervous system. So I hope y'all paid attention. If not, you can play that little part again because that was really detailed, beautiful instruction for bee breath, which we're all going to try. I love it. Yes. Yes, I hope you like it. It's my favorite. And I, I suspect that could just be a, a go-to if you're, you know, just finding your energy wonky, you're just a little, like, stressed out, you're a little overactivated in your nervous system, just go find a quiet place, do that 12 times, shifts your yes. energy, right? Yes, and you don't even have to close your ears or eyes, um, just the humming. And 12 is kind of a magic number. Um, It just, you know, it's enough time to get into it and release some things. So, Thank you for that practice. I'm anxious to do that. That's beautiful. you like it, let me know. (laughs) Well, is there anything on your heart that we didn't talk about today that you want to share with the listeners? Oh, you know, I just had such a hard winter, Lisa. It was really, really hard. Um, I had a breakup. I was injured. I just really fell into a kind of a downward spiral. And um, But, like, the spring comes again, and Minnesota, the winters are so hard here. <laughs> They're so dark and so cold and I know I'm extremely privileged and with my ability to travel and my like find work with my travel. So that is helpful, but um just honoring like the seasons and that spring will come again and it is so insanely beautiful here with the flowering trees right now, the plums and the apples. And just like the seasons. Yeah, I think that's that's what I want to share. The beauty of the earth. The world is loving us in the spring (laughs) and through the dark winter. And and that beauty is made all the more poignant by the dark winter, I imagine. If you had that outside your window every day, you might not be feeling it today in that big, big way that you are. Right, right. My last podcast guest and I were talking about how the universe just kind of knows when we're ripe for that next up level. And we, most of us, for the most part, get those up levels through challenges, through those yes. those dark times. And it's yep. just part of what our little soul signed on for when we came to do this silly human adventure that we all thought would be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <sighs> that is beautiful and so true. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like your little soul signed off for some some big stuff at this juncture in your journey. So yes, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling stronger, so I'm up for it. <laughs> Isn't that the best blessing of all? When we come through these times, it's like, oh, I made it through that. It's like, yes. nothing can touch <laughs> me now. I'm like that much more solid. I'm that much more exactly. in, impenetrable. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, I'm so glad I sat down next to you and your friend Victoria at that conference. Me too. That was no no accident either. No. We had our own little constellation going on. We did. We did. And that conference was amazing. So tell your friend Jacob. Jacob does a a good gig. He really does. knows how to attract those those perfect people for the larger constellations as well so i've enjoyed being in his orbit for many many years now fantastic 
Well, I'm holding you in my heart, and we cannot, I'm saying we collectively, representing myself and all the listeners, cannot thank you enough for the beautiful music, and now we'll know you and feel your energy every time we hear it open and close the podcast, so thank you so much, beautiful sister, and you are not done with me. We will uh, be in touch for sure. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Lisa. It's such a pleasure to be with you. Such a pleasure here, too. Bye-bye, listeners. Go have a beautiful few weeks. Deepest gratitude and love to you, my beautiful listener tribe, with representation in 30 countries all across the globe. I'm so honored to spend this time with you. If you're wondering about my online events, my books, joining my Joy School community, all of that is waiting for you at lisamccourt.com. I look forward to connecting with you there. Much love. to the animals and we know you can too on the animal communication podcast hosted by the three of us myself julie heert aaron Dendy smith and meredith tollison we will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions whether they're alive or in spirit as soul-level animal communicators we explain the process and explore topics such as health behavior and play all from the animal's perspective so subscribe and follow us on apple spotify and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.